Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Chan. So glad that you can join me today as we continue our journey through Genesis with chapters 35 to 36. But before we begin, customarily, we start off with a video clip. And so sit back, relax, and chill out and watch this video clip. And we'll be right back. Wherever I go, God rules. When I walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House grounds. I had every right and authority to declare the White House as holy ground because I was standing there and where I stand is holy. To say no to President Trump would be saying no to God. And, and I won't do that. We are in a spiritual war right now. Let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken, let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. You want me to tell you what my thoughts are? The thoughts of the King of Kings, the thoughts of the Lord of Lords. I'm downloading heaven. Reputation. Christians, like us, I don't know if you are a Christian, but I am a Christian. And if you are a Christian like myself, we know very well that we need to keep a good reputation in the eyes of the world. A reputation of love, honor, integrity, honesty, and a life that displays the fruits of the Spirit. Here, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12 says this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. However, because of our fallenness and human tendencies, we tend to screw up our reputation on a frequent basis and, to be frank, stink it up and stink it up for the rest of the a whole Christian community. For example, I've showed you a video of Paula White and uh, for her to associate Donald Trump, a misogynist, a, um, an exploiter, a uh, immoral individual, and the worst president that the US ever had, to associate with uh, Donald Trump and to say that he is from God and to say that if you say no to him, you're saying no to God, Basically, you're stinking up the reputation of Christians in general, is she not? Or we get another one. Uh, last year, we had a, a, a scandal at Hillsong where Carl Lentz uh, was fired for having an affair with uh, one of her, his congregates and uh, outside of wedlock. And so, again, scandals after scandals uh, that we hear of Christian leaders on the news stinks up our reputation, stinks up the Christian reputation. And most recently, which I'm glad that our denomination has written a letter of apology and a letter to address, Ravi Zacharias, uh, he, uh, the late Ravi Zacharias, who uh, after his death, many of the abuses that and exploitation and um, abuse against women and taking advantage of them, stories just kept on coming after the during this investigation. That again, like we're humans, yes, but we are susceptible 
to stink up our reputation. And so, I'm not saying that we ourselves will be involved in these scandals, and hopefully not. How about us then? Can, like, how, how can we, how do we stink up our reputation? Well, quite simple, when we get impatient on, on the line, when we start cursing, when we start cursing because we're impatient, or when we complain about how much tips we have to pay or how much COVID fees we have to pay on top of our restaurant bill, or times when we have our foot just slightly being too leady or having a lead foot and speed through a school zone or park in parking spaces atrociously or just, you know, selfish moments or yelling at people for no reason or for poor service. Those little things can stink up our own Christian reputation. So how do we repair it? How do we repair our reputation? How do we unstink our reputation or give it a do-over? Or for some of us, maybe you don't even have a Christian reputation. You're a Christian, but your families and friends and your loved ones can't even tell you apart from themselves. You just blend in because quite frankly, you don't even have a reputation. So how would you, for those I'm talking to who don't have a reputation, how do you start beginning a good Christian reputation for yourself? Why am I talking about reputation and why am I talking about unstinking it? Well, before we embark on chapters 35 and 36, we need to review where we've left off. Jacob, completely complacent and irresponsible uh, to his children activities and his inaction in taking the lead in executing justice on behalf of his daughter, Dinah, totally not leading uh, his sons uh, with response to what happened to Dinah, led to his own son's ruthless genocide on the city of Shechem. Simeon and Levi put every man to the sword while the other sons plundered the city of the wealth, women and children. Instead of saying anything productive and realizing his ineptitude to spiritual leadership for his family, he doesn't even admit that he was wrong. Instead, he says this in fear for his own life in chapter 34, verse 30. Afterward, after all these things, after the, his son's um, literally uh, uh, killing off the whole entire city and stealing and plundering everything, after all that, Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have ruined me. You've made me a stink among all the people of this land, among all the Canaanites and Perizzites. We are so few that they will join forces and crush us. I will be ruined and my entire household will be wiped out. Jacob not only feared for his life, but he also, probably unintentionally, said he and his family has become what? A stink instead of being a blessing to the nations around them. He became a stink because of his inaction, complacency, and passiveness towards the injustice, exploitation, and rape on his only daughter, Dinah. As the patriarch, he was supposed to know better. He was supposed to know a better way in dealing with injustice, exploitation, and rape. And so he should have took the lead in dealing with 
Shechem. However, he was absent. He was absent, he was complacent, and he didn't even take any control of it, and he was passive. And in fact, what's worse is that he did not even control his son's anger and wrath. But instead, he feared for his life, completely forgetting the promises that God made to him at Bethel. Now, if you recall, in chapter 28, what did God promise him? God said that he will protect Jacob throughout his life. So he didn't need to fear foreign powers. So the question is, will Jacob ever become the patriarch that he was called to be? Like us, Jacob is a work in progress. He had his ups and many downs, just like us in our Christian journey of becoming more like Jesus. Chapter 34 was definitely a down. But like his previous downs, Jacob seems to learn from it. Will he learn from this then? Will he learn from his inactivity and passiveness? Will he finally take the lead and become a patriarch? Will he be able to unstink himself of the reputation that he has created for himself among the nations? From Jacob's experience, I see our reputation, our Christian reputation, is supported by a four-legged stool. So if you could picture in your mind, reputation's at the top where the seat is and four legs are supporting that reputation. And so today, let's look at each leg that supports our Christian reputation. In Genesis 35, there is a notable structure from verses 1 to 15. The remaining parts of chapter 35 and chapter 36 are mostly comprised of genealogies, which we will probably reference when we explore the kings of Israel. But for today, we will focus our attention on these first 15 verses of chapter 35, because that's what the author really wants us to focus on. This literary structure is provided by Bruce Walkie's commentary, and I will show it here on this screen. First, you got this A section. God commands, ascends to Bethel, build an altar there. He commands Jacob to build an altar, go to Bethel, go back to Bethel, and build an altar in verse one. Then there's a section called B, Jacob obeys, renews his household, basically cleans his household, ascends to Bethel, and builds an altar in verses 2 to 7. Then we have a prime. God appears to Jacob and renews the Abrahamic covenant. Chapter 35, verse 9 to 13. Then in B prime, Jacob rededicates the stele and renews the name of Bethel in verses 14 to 15. So let's begin this whole journey through chapter 35 from 1 to 15, explore the four legs of the stool called Christian reputation, and see how Jacob unstinked his reputation and what we can learn for our sake to unstink our reputation today. So let's start with the first leg. Genesis chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Get ready and move to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So the first leg of the stool to unstink your reputation or build a reputation for those who may not even have one is to remind ourselves that it's never too late to start obeying God or it's never too late to start obeying God again. In fact, he gives us many chances to turn back to him and obey him. 
If you recall from chapter 34, Jacob settled near Shechem. He was not supposed to do that. He promised God during his watershed moment in chapter 28 that he was supposed to go back to Bethel after he built his family. And because he did that, because he settled near Shechem, he got himself and his family in trouble by being too campy with the locals, which led them to stink up their reputation among the nations. So how does one like Jacob repair his reputation or unstink his reputation? First, obey God. Start obeying God. Never too late to turn back to God and obey him. So God commands Jacob to return to Bethel. Fulfill your promise you made to me, God says. A symbolic command because God is commanding Jacob to return to Bethel, but also return to God because that's where Jacob encountered God initially. Jacob is to return and reestablish or reboot his promise he made with God, that he will serve God and be of God's service, just like his grandfather, Abraham. So the first leg is to obey God. You will get noticed, but noticed because of your obedience to God, your love, basically. You will get noticed because as you obey God, you become more like Jesus. Your reputation will be, become more like Jesus. So knowing that, what is the other leg then of this Christian reputation stool? Let's move on. Genesis chapter 35, verse 2 to 5. So Jacob told everyone in his household, Get rid of all your pagan idols. Purify yourselves and put on clean clothing. We are now going to Bethel where I will build an altar to the God who answered my prayers when I was in distress in chapter 28. He has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their pagan idols and earrings and he buried them under the great tree near Shechem. As they set out, a terror from God spread over the people in all the towns of that area so no one attacked Jacob's family. So the second leg of this stool is this. It starts with you and it starts with me. We get so caught up in trying to create an image or a brand for ourselves and so worried about how others see us that we forget that what's really important is what's happening in our hearts. Our hearts need to be cleansed and purged of our sins and idols. If we look at the situations that led ourselves to stink up our reputation, what's the common denominator? Two things, self-centeredness and self-preservation. We desire and want things that lead us to do things that are not pleasing to God and ruin our reputation as a Christian. We are so worried about dying that we do whatever it takes to prevent that from happening. And so all those actions, the cutting in line, the speeding of our car, the, um, the superstitions and the lucky charms that we have, or just the sheer fear of dying and just huddling away from people and preventing us from serving the communities. Those are what we call idols. Now, about self-preservation. Self I am not saying that eating healthy and regular exercise is a bad thing. You should do those things. What I'm referring to is that when you put exercise and health ahead of God, that's wrong. What I'm also referring to is superstition and lucky charms. Now, 
It's obvious that when you look at me, I come from an Asian heritage. And unfortunately, a lot of our culture and a lot of our traditions that are passed down are based on superstition and lucky charms from our grandparents, from our parents or our grandparents. Like you have things like ancestral worship, you have little kitty cat statues at our doors, you have red envelopes or red and gold notes taped on our doors. Superstition, lucky charms. Why? For self-preservation and self-centeredness. We just celebrated Chinese New Year not too long ago. It was the year of the ox. Uh, for those who may be watching this uh, in the year time, yes, at this time of recording, we just celebrated the year of the ox. And it doesn't take a genius. You could Google Chinese New Year and you could see that Chinese New Year is actually rooted in worshiping gods, uh, especially pagan gods, um, folklore gods. And it had a lot to do with superstition and lucky charms. And much we say to each other, actually, when we greet each other during Chinese New Year, like Gong Hei Fa Choi, Sunlin Fai Lok, or I just said it in Cantonese, sorry. It's, it has a lot to do with just self-preservation and self-centeredness. We all want health and prosperity, don't we? And that's the, the unfortunate thing about us, is that we are so consumed in self-centeredness and self-preservation. And that's how one stinks up our Christian reputation. For Jacob, he knew that in order to reboot his reputation and begin his turnaround of 180 degrees and shift from being a stinker to become more Christ-like or more God-like, he had to remove all the superstitions, the idols, the lucky charms in his family. Now, how on earth did they even have those idols and lucky charms and superstitions anyway to begin with? Well, if you recall, remember that he was really campy with Shechem? His whole family was quite campy in Shechem. And unfortunately, they carried those idols and superstitions as well. They adopted it into their family. Also, if you recall, Rachel's dad, Laban, uh, also had idols too. So partly, is associated with Shechem, but also partly because of just custom and traditions that were passed down from family. And so Jacob knew that in order for him and his family to, to start afresh and reboot, they had to give God full obedience and loyalty and devotion. He needed to rid the very things that hindered him and his family, the idols and lucky charms that they depended on for self-preservation and self-centeredness. How about us then? Well, I already alluded to it for ourselves as an example prior to this. Do we have any idols in our closet that we need to rid ourselves of? Idols that we created and depend on for self-preservation? Idols that we put ahead of God and cannot let go and preventing us from fully trusting, obeying God? See, it doesn't really need to be superstitions or little trinkets or little lucky charms, things that are physical. It could be just ideologies and belief systems. Those are idols as well. Basically, idols are those or anything, anything or anyone that we put ahead of God and cannot let go and is preventing us from fully trusting and obeying God. We need to remove those and throw them away or else our reputation will never unstink itself. It starts with you and me to get rid of things that we place above God. Now, some of you are asking this question then. 
how do we know what those things are? You like, yeah, I know a general rule of thumb, but what's the best way to just gauge on what are those things? Well, let's just take this moment right now, a snapshot of your life right now. Quite simply, if we just recite this simple command that Jesus has given us, the great command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, name one thing right now that is taking up your heart, your soul, and your mind. What's taking up your time? What's taking up your thoughts? And what's taking up your soul and your heart? If it's not God, if it's not Jesus, then that's the idol that you need to remove and give it to God. But then you go, you might ask, if I get rid of those things though, if I get rid of that mindset and that convictions or those things that I depend on, can God be trusted to provide for me, to protect me, to sustain me? Will he actually care? Well, Jacob and his family probably thought the same things when they too got rid of their idols and trinkets. But once they removed their idols and monkey charms and set, back to, set off back to Bethel, God protected them by placing terror in the hearts of people around them. Remember how Jacob freaked out and thought that you know, all the foreign nations will attack them? Well, God protected him and his family by creating this terror amongst all the other foreign nations. So yes, for those who may be asking, if I'm, in, if I'm going to remove my idols and trinkets and superstitions and belief systems to sustain me, can God sustain me? Can I trust that God will sustain me? The answer is yes. He will provide. He will protect. You do not need to trust in your superstitions and lucky charms any longer. Just trust in him. Let's move on. In verse 6, eventually Jacob and his household arrived at Luz, also called Bethel, in Canaan. Jacob built an altar there and named the place El Bethel, which means God of Bethel, because God had appeared to him there when he was fleeing from his brother Esau. So the third principle, worship God's way. Notice we are still dealing with ourselves here, still dealing with what's going on in our hearts. There's no mentioning of Jacob trying to figure out how to make himself look better in front of others. Those days are now gone. Jacob has grown up and taking a completely different approach in rebooting his reputation, an obedient approach. So the third leg of this whole Christian reputation stool is this, worship God's way. If you recall in chapter 28, Jacob set up a stone as part of his worship to God. Unfortunately, that's his way. He did it his way. Now, he's doing what his grandfather Abraham did. He worshiped God by building an altar because God desired it to be built. God desired obedient worship. After removing the idols and lucky charms, Jacob arrives at Bethel and worships God, God's way. A pattern that we will see throughout the whole entire Old Testament between Israel and God. Israel falls. Israel commits sin. Israel seeks forgiveness by removing that sin and the idols and then worships God, God's way the way God wants them to worship, i.e. God-centered worship. Worshiping God realigns our hearts back to Him. Worship also reestablishes our ethos, i.e. reminds us who we are, where we're going, 
and why we are here. And for those keeners out there, worship is basically to reignite our God-given vision as we move on to the next verses. In verse 9, Now that Jacob had returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, Your name is Jacob, but you will now you will not be called Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. Then God said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants, and I will give you the land I once gave to Abraham and Isaac. Yes, I will give it to you and your descendants after you. Then God went up from the place where he had spoken to Jacob. Before we continue, Bruce Waltke highlighted striking similarities between this covenant renewal with Jacob with God's covenant renewal with Abraham in chapter 17. See, you can see on the screen here that there is the same opening. The Lord God appeared. There's the same frame. God appeared and went up. There's the same divine title, God Almighty, El Shaddai. And there's the name change. Abraham turned to Abraham, if you recall, and now Jacob becomes Israel. Similar phrases and promises, to be exceedingly fruitful, to consist of a community of peoples, kings to come from their own loins, and land to the descendants. So there are striking similarities between the two. And that's very key, because with this in mind, the fourth principle is this. God promises to reboot our God-given vision, and our God-given vision is our reputation. For Jacob, God again reaffirms Jacob's God-given vision with his new name that was given during chapters 32-33. Not just for him, but the name of his entire family and all his descendants, Israel. This name reflects Jacob's God-given vision. And I encourage you to watch Dan's sermon if you have not yet, on chapters 32 to 33, as he delved into the meaning of Israel. So after we trust and obey God, remove our idols and whatever we have that is above God, worship God God's way. God reestablishes our God-given vision and our vision becomes a reputation. That's the fourth leg of the Christian reputation stool. It's our God-given vision. That's what we'll be known for. It's our God-given vision. Lastly, verse 14 to 15, just to conclude our talk today. Jacob set up a stone pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. Then he poured wine over it as an offering to God and anointed the pillar with olive oil. And Jacob named the place Bethel, which means house of God, because God had spoken to him there. With all this now in mind, with the Christian reputation stool now in place and been rebooted or renewed or started to be built or built, have been built, how should we respond now? We should now respond with a life of devotion to God. The practice of pouring wine and oil signified Jacob's rededication to live in obedience to God here and now. We, too, need to devote our lives to God again. Our bodies, our lives belong to God. Sure, we may have stunk it up and ruined our reputation frequently, but thank God he gives us an opportunity to trust and obey him again and reestablish his God-given vision for us. 
He restores our reputation. No one and nothing else can. The pouring of the wine and the oil also signifies later on in the Old Testament as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sanctified Jacob. The Holy Spirit sanctified Jacob's um, whole being and to be able to be in the presence of God. And when we redevote ourselves and our lives to God, the Holy Spirit will sanctify us to be in the presence of God and sanctify our reputation. Amen.